it's one thing to say, I really think I have something great and then nobody buys it. But then when they're coming back, the proof is in the pudding or in the granola, I guess. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to SOS, a live call-in help show with me, your host, Sonia Rasula, founder of Unique Markets. Each week, I answer some of the most pressing questions from entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives. So get ready for real talk and tangible advice as I answer questions from business owners around the world. Plus, this season, you can watch each episode on YouTube, where you'll be able to see me break down guests' websites, branding, social media, and more. And it's all live. Hashtag awkward. The reason this podcast exists is because the fact is most businesses will not make it to five years. I've had multiple businesses for over a decade now, and I really want to make sure that you have long-term success. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. So tune in weekly as I help business owners face their sh**. Despite having zero intentions to become an entrepreneur and a background in brand management, Julie Wiener's granola company, Granolust, grew out of an opportunity to sell her handmade granola at a local juice bar. And, well, it blew up. Years later, this Canadian company is thriving, yes, even during the pandemic. But in order to scale and take her company to the next level, she needs to sell to the U.S. and also just start selling in more volume. So Julie needs my help. Granolas has a lot going for it, especially its beautiful, modern, sexy packaging. Yes, granola can be sexy. But Julie needs advice on direction for new packaging, And she also needs to talk through selling at trade shows, more selling opportunities and scaling opportunities, production, working with micro-influencers, and most importantly, pricing as she scales and grows the company. Well, hello and welcome, Julie. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. I would love for you to introduce yourself, talk about your business and your brand, and then we will dive into helping you. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for for wanting to have me on the podcast. So my name is Julie Wiener. I am from Montreal, Canada. I accidentally started Granolust in 2017. I was not looking to start a business. I was certainly not looking to start a business in the food industry. My background was actually, well, I graduated from university with a, a combined honors degree in journalism and film studies and did nothing with that and then proceeded to work in the fashion industry for my entire career. Literally, this Granolust business fell into my lap in the summer of 2017. And so if just to make everybody aware, Granolast is all-natural, vegan, gluten-free, premium granola. Um, no refined sugars, only the healthiest oils, no additives, no preservatives. Um, just super clean, super tasty, super sexy granola that we have been, we I have been selling um, and hustling and, and working hard at accidentally since 2017. So that's the, that's the short version. Yeah, I love it. I love you're bringing sexy back to granola. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> me and Justin Timberlake, we are bringing sexy back. <laughs> so yeah, I got excited when you just said that you went to journalism school because so did I in Toronto. So we have that in common. <laughs> yes. yes, we do. I went to Carleton actually. Okay. So first of all, I love the branding, as you know, like absolutely love the branding and the design, which is... So it's like half the battle, honestly. And I love the product. I have tasted the product. It's delicious. I love it. And so you wrote in because I think you are looking to obviously grow in scale. And you're also looking at getting into the US market, which, you know, for a lot of companies is a great way to kind of scale even more and faster. So I have a couple questions. So you make this delicious granola. And the packaging is stunning. And so at this point, I am going to share my screen. So everyone who is listening to us on on the podcast, you can also follow along by going to the Instagram, which is at granolust underscore. And so it's G-R-A-N-O. And then the word lust, L-U-S-T underscore. So it's kind of that play on words. You can check out their profile on Instagram while we um, have this episode, or you can visit their website, which is granolust.com. So everyone joining us on YouTube can see what I'm looking at now. So I am showing everyone this gorgeous packaging. And so I, I... I'm showing this off because I want to show everyone a fantastic thing that you're doing instead of starting by diving into what you can do to improve (laughs) this, like this brand, the branding, the colors, the fonts, and the fact that the packaging is black, I think is really, really important for everyone to see. Obviously, I'm sure that this was very intentional on your part. Obviously, the dark colors exude kind of a a sexiness, but the fact that it is that the packaging design and the branding is so minimal, I think is really, really important because it will differentiate your product on a shelf with all the other similar products. And, you know, a friend of mine started this company, Human Improvement, and they have a protein powder that actually is from crickets in Canada. The Canadian connections just keep going on and on. It all <laughs> <laughs> And what he's doing with Human Improvement is it's just these protein powders that are cricket-based that are delicious, but the branding is very similar to yours in that it will stand out in an industry that is very, I want to say granola, you know, it's very like hippie, like the fonts, the design, the aesthetic of other brands in your category is very different from you. And this is why you're going to have a leg up because when you're at Whole Foods, when you are, you know, at a store looking at granola, your product's going to stand out which is really, really smart. So I just wanted to give you your flowers and share this packaging and branding for everyone so that they understand what I talk about in all my episodes when I'm talking about like a solid design when it comes to logo, branding, colors, like this is it. So props to you on that. Thank you. (laughs) I worked with a branding guy that I had worked with in fashion and we sat and that's when we came up with, I knew right away it had to be black bags. And a lot of this, I can't take credit for it. A lot, most of it was his 
idea. Yeah. He gave me a whole board and things to choose from, but I knew it needed to be black. I knew that it needed to not have a window. I knew it needed to be de- like, but instinctively. That's another thing that I can point out to all of our listeners, which is that like the power of good design is very important and it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the designer. This is the other thing that I think a lot of small businesses don't understand. It's like, yeah, hire a professional and look at the difference. Like you come from the fashion world, you hired a professional and they created fantastic branding. Like that font is perfect. So then what I wanted to really talk about is the scaling part and the pricing. Because originally how I discovered you was that you wanted to have your product in our care package boxes, which would be amazing. It's a great idea. But then as soon as I got your pricing sheets, I was like, oh no, this is a huge, this is a huge problem. And then I reached out to you and I was like, do you want to be on the podcast? (laughs) So I can talk you through this and help you because it doesn't matter whether it's Canadian or U.S. dollars. The The strategy behind your pricing is, is, I think, going to be the problem for you scaling. So if you can just describe right now, so like let's just say a bag of granola, your average bag of granola, what is the wholesale price that you sell? So wholesale for anyone listening I hope that you know what wholesale means, but I'm just going to throw that out there in case you don't. Wholesale is the price that let's say a Whole Foods or a small mom and pop convenience store, like wholesale is the price that they're going to buy the granola at. And then the retail price is what they're going to sell. It's the MSRP. So it's it's like the suggested retail price, in fact. So what is your wholesale and then what is your retail Okay. So we have two sizes of bag. We have a, in Canada, I mean, it's 300 grams, which is like the kind of, you know, the larger one that you'd find on a shelf in a grocery store. And then we have this 70 gram, which is basically like two servings and a bit. This is perfect. And this is where we do a lot with gift basket companies, monthly subscription box companies, Mm -hmm. corporate gifts, and any kind of grab and go situation in a cafe at the cash, that kind of thing. So the wholesale on the small bag is three dollars mm-hmm. with a suggested retail of 475 mm-hmm. and the larger bags the, the wholesale is um, 550 uh-huh. for a suggested retail of 799. Okay, perfect. So as a retailer, retail is was already tough before COVID. Now it is extremely tough. And I guess when I say retail, I am thinking about traditional brick and mortars. However, you know, a lot of those brick and mortars are now going online. Like we get all of our groceries from Whole Foods like delivered, right? So they're still they're still taking our money. <laughs> We're just not going into the stores. Um, that's for those people who have been able to transition online. But as things start to open up a little, and it will never go back to normal. However, I think there's going to be innovation and changes that will be great for everyone. At the end of the day, though, you still need retailers, whether they're like a traditional brick and mortar, whether they're an online, whether they're a gift box, what have you. So the big thing that was like glaringly obvious to me is that the profit margin is so slim on the product that it it makes it hard for the retailer to make any money. And so if if the bag is $3 wholesale, the suggested retail should really be $6, right? 
So Keystone is what you're saying. Yes. If not, even more, because in the food and beverage industry, a lot of the a lot of the companies that I know that have that are doing huge business, millions of dollars, volumes. Now, granted, also millions of dollars doesn't mean that they are that that is all profit. That's revenue, but it doesn't mean that's profit. But again, you have again, if you want to scale, so you can stay where you're at now and make the amount of money that you're making, or you can scale. You may only ever make truly like profit another hundred thousand, another two hundred thousand per year. We're not talking about huge volume, but you're going to scale. The volume of what you're selling is going to be a lot more. So the real thing that I see in this equation is, honestly, if if you could get to a point where, you know, the retailers were making even more than that margin, that's going to help you scale and grow. You know, if you could get to the point that some of the other food and beverage brands that I know, if they have a wholesale of three and they can have a suggested retail of eight, that opens my eyes as a business person and as a retailer because it's like, oh, the profit margins are much better on this brand. So I would rather go with Granolust than XYZ brand because you are in a competitive industry. So if you can, and I believe because of the capital that you're branding and your design, it it exudes a quality that is different. And also it's not just like frivolous. The thing is you're backing it up. You don't use unhealthy oils. You're, you, you know, so the ingredients to your products, it's, it's really about quality. And so that is worth money, right? Like uh, it is, and people will pay for that. Someone like me and a lot of other people, I would rather pay, you know, $10 for a bag of really, really healthy granola than $6.50, but for something that's like a crappier product, to be perfectly honest. And I think more and more people, especially Gen Z, honestly, like they are so much more aware of the impact of the companies that they support and the things that they put into their body. Like, you know, they're just, they're different from a lot of us. <laughs> they're much more aware and they're very into sustainability. And so I think that you want to figure out a way to increase the profit margin for the end user, which for that scenario is the retailer, because that will help you scale and really get like, you know, if you can get into one whole one region of Whole Foods, this is how a lot of F&B brands do it. It's like you start local, they give you a test run in Los in Southern California. And if the product does well in Southern California, then they open it up to California. Then they open it to the whole region. And then, it, you know, they push you national. And that is when companies really see the uplift. And so that's the goal for you, right? It's to get more of these accounts. So you definitely have to do that. And then honestly, for the direct-to-consumer, if you also at the same time are smart about this and grow the D2C side of things, of selling and shipping your product out directly your profit margin becomes massive, massive. And it, like, I, that's just exciting. I'm just like seeing dollar signs because it's at the end of the day, yes, we're a business. Like it, it, it's about making money because if you aren't making enough money for you to be sustainable and for you to keep going, you'll just stop. And then like no one gets to experience the amazing granola. Right. So I think that's like one of the things that you have to do. I'm curious about 
when it comes to the packaging, if there is a way, because I know it's very, it's very intentional, the fact that it does not have a window, like that is very, very intentional. It's also very smart. However, I'm curious if there's a way for the bottom of the bag to have that peak window. And the only reason I say that is because I do also think that there are, there are probably a lot of people who are like, I'm just not sure. And seeing it's, it's one of these stupid things. It's like, okay, you see the, the ingredients are right there on the bag, almonds, <laughs> oats, like you could see them all. But for some reason, the visual, like, okay, it looks delicious. <laughs> You're a hundred percent right. And quite honestly, over the years, I've definitely heard that a handful of times. I was mindfully, it's funny, I have a friend who's in the gluten-free business, he's a big brand, and he was sort of mentoring me a little bit at the beginning. And he said, you sh when I was showing him the design for the first bag, he said, are you sure you don't want to put a window on there? And I said, I'm sure I don't want to put a window on there. He said, oh, so you want to disrupt the granola industry? I said, yes, sure. I want to disrupt the granola. Having said that, we... About two and a half years ago, we printed our first, I think we had to print 10,000 of each SKU, which was scary right. at the time yeah. because it's a lot and we're done them. And so it's now it's time to reprint, which is very exciting. And we are trying to figure out a way that for sure the front of the bag stays the same, that aesthetic stays. I don't want to mess with that, but we're talking about different ways of visually cueing the customers about what's inside it. So the problem with the bottom of the bag is that often, even with, and ours is so fresh all the time, but just from sitting at the bottom, sometimes it gets to be a little bit dusty yeah. and that's not what the rest of it looks like. So I would be nervous to put that, the bottom part yeah. clear because then it's dusty. It doesn't go all the way to the top. So we're looking at maybe putting a, a band there, a window band there. The yeah. other option, sure. which a lot of brands are doing is actually real live kind of photos overlaid. And we're also changing sort of the messaging on the bag so that we're being more descriptive about what's inside it and getting them to taste it without being able to, to taste it in, in right. fact. But I'm trying to avoid, I am 100% going to avoid the whole grocery store, you know, window like everybody else has kind of thing, yes. if only to continue standing out. And we're trying to just figure out that happy balance between maintaining that aesthetic without deterring people from wanting to, to buy it basically. Yeah, so absolutely. we're on it. And I, and I think, yeah. And I think, you know, having like a designer, for instance, like it, as you were saying that, cause I know that the challenges for packaging are also very hard. Like people, the average person does not know any of this, you know, they're just like, well, why, why isn't this X, Y, and Z? Why can't it do this? Why can't it do that? And it's like, from a business perspective that creates so many challenges. So whether you can do a window at the top or not, you know, that's one option. Another option that I thought of, and again, it's like you can do photorealistic pictures. Another option that I thought of was like, you know, that some people do is like the illustrations of the items. But again, that's not real. So it doesn't have that same impact. But also like potentially, instead of even a photo, you could also just have like realistic photos, real photos of real food items that are in the bag, just like illustrated as well. That's like another option. I think there's a lot of ways, but I do think that the window, to be perfectly honest, is like the fastest way, you know, for a consumer to just like pick it up, understand very quickly and be like, oh yeah, that looks delicious. hundred percent. You know, you were speaking earlier about the quality that goes in it 
into our product or into certain products that people are willing to spend for. Um, You know, I, when I have the chance and now it is part of the messaging, but this is another idea about putting it on the bag, like any of the flavors that have almonds in it, for example, which is three of them at this point, they're all whole almonds. Like I'm never using slivered almonds to me. That's very cheap. And that is a, to me, that's an indicator right away. This is a quality product. It's a whole almond. It's a whole cashew. It's, you know, and you can, if you can, even if it's just a smattering of these almonds on the bag, like either yeah. I'm saying it's whole almonds or, or I'm showing it, but, but I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that, um, I think that there's going to be a way that we can do it in a way that's still classy and upscale and speaks to the premiumness of the product by letting them see what's inside. So they know what they're getting. I also have another question, which is, and I'm going to the website really, really quickly, just because I want to see because, uh, you know, the photography is great, but I want to see how you drill down to it. So it, because it, it takes a couple clicks to truly get in there. And then when I do, I just want to check. I don't know if this is just loading slow. Okay. So, you, right. So you do have examples of kind of, well, that's like how to use it. I'm wondering if you have a shot just of the granola. Um, sometimes yes. I mean that it's, it's not, it's a lifestyle shot. So you, right. especially with the Rosemary Parm, I really feel like it's important to show people what yeah. to do with it because they're yeah. like, uh, sounds cool, but I don't know. It's, it also sounds gross. I don't want to put it right. in my No, this is, this is very, very smart of you, but also at the same time, you need, you need a photo that just shows the product close up. Cause then, cause like I know, okay, there's one almond there. I know how amazing the product is because I, had it. You sent it to me and I tried it. But without knowing that and without seeing it on the bags, the only then option is for people. And this is what everyone does now. So like I did a talk at South by Southwest on the future of retail and everyone has devices in their hands and everyone shops so differently now. When they're in the grocery store, when they're in, you know, the front of their yoga studio looking at a product, should I buy it or should I not? Literally the way that behavior is now is that they will take out their phone, and they will visit the website or the Instagram of the product, which I is mind-blowing. But it's almost like a reassurance for them. And they'll check out the reviews. So it's really smart that you have reviews and all of that information on, on your homepage, by the way. Um, so that photo of how amazing the product is needs to be like immediately available right now. I'm just going to throw this out on your website, on your homepage. Even though it's there, it's clouded because of the design and the style that you're using, which, which by the way, the overlays, that's a style and, and it's great. But I think that it's, it's a couple clicks. So every click away that people are from seeing the actual product is too many. They need to be able to come to this homepage. And the one thing you can do instantly is somehow give them a, a fast, quick idea of the actual granola and... So, you know, there are many ways that you can do that, but I'm throwing that out there for you as one thing to think about. And then the second thing I'm wondering is... I want to ask you a quick question though. Would you get rid of where those bags are and instead of that, have the flavor name and that that picture right there or still leave, you know, or just have it as that carousel or something that they could scroll down and see? That's a really good... So that's a good question. I'll be honest. Okay. Let me just take this in for a second. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know what all, what are all of these partners? <laughs> um, 
I can tell they're Canadian. Like they're not straightforward customers because they do have a store locator where you can find okay. the product for retail. But for example, like this, well, I'm pointing, but Max JDC on the bottom, like that's yeah. a, a network of basically farmers markets that are that's around Montreal. So okay. we exhibit at that. Um, Moi d'abord, which is top right, that's a monthly subscription, a Quebec-based monthly subscription. So okay. are you are you saying that we should lose that because it doesn't yes. mean anything? Yes. Cool. I love that. Okay, good <laughs> suggestion. We're trying to get rid of pages as we redo the website. What is very heartwarming about it is that these are the companies and the people that have helped you grow, but it's now time to, to lose. You don't need to sh- say that. <laughs> So, because, because for me, I don't know, especially anyone coming from not Quebec, because this also seems very Quebec centric. I don't know what it means. For me, if, if there's something that's more global, like recognizable names, have you been in Forbes or, you know, in, in Canada, there's Chatelaine magazine. Now, granted, no one outside of Canada knows what that magazine is, but it's, it's like Marie Claire here in the U.S. So like... Yeah, yeah. Any press any will be good. Major press, sure. yes. Yeah. So it's, instead of partners, it's like major press. And you could only even have three. That is fine, right? You know, you're going to be there when right. I redesign. It's This is what's going to be there. Yes, you're right. You need you need to show that you are... It's, it's almost like qualifying the brand. Totally get it. That's how you have to think about it. So to just delete these partners, the bags. So here's the thing with the slider. I love that. I love this because it's from a usability standpoint, it's great because you can communicate many things very quickly. It's just that it is very dark. I get it because your brand is dark, but it might like your, your branding is dark. You can communicate that through the branding and through the bags, which is there. I, I think that it might be time to step into the light and for the slider purposes, you know, use brighter. So it's, it's just a fact. Brighter photography, brighter imagery is for some strange reason, like human beings like it more. It's right. If, if you are on Instagram and anyone ever posts like a photo from, from like the nighttime, like a, a photo from the concert or like a photo camping, like dark photos never do well. I think this teaches us something. There's something in our DNA. So from a visual perspective, so I would say you, the first impression instantly needs to be like bright, beautiful, clean photography that showcases the product more. So that's going to be the number one change that you do. The bags are perfect. Keep them on the homepage because that shows your branding, shows the bags, which are beautiful and you need to show them off. And I also really like that you do have like the five-star reviews underneath, like from a visual perspective for people that helps again, qualify and quantify like, oh, okay. But the one thing that I really like is down here that you have, you have the reviews and they, they may be auto-populated, they may not be, but take a cue from that. And so again, up here, you're getting rid of the partners. And instead of having that, have major, major press logos. If you don't want to do that, you can also use like quotes from press, right? So you can, if you have been in a major magazine and they've talked about your granola, like you can also just use quotes from them as a good way. Again, you have to think about people's attention spans and they need to see things that will help them purchase in literally just a couple seconds. So scrolling and seeing a a quote that's, by the way, like one sentence, not like a whole paragraph, (laughs) one sentence, boom, that helps them. Seeing bright, beautiful photography of this like 
gorgeous, delicious looking granola, boom, that helps them. So like that's the goal is to get your homepage to a point where like they stay on the website because you only have 1.5 seconds to capture someone's attention. And that's a very short period of time. So like 1.5 seconds means they don't even scroll past this first sliders part, you know? So I would say do all of that. Do you do the trade shows? Like, do you participate in the fancy food expo or do you do any of that stuff to kind of get out there in front of, that would be B2B, but in front of those customers? So I haven't yet. I did a big trade show here in Montreal in 2019, which is really the last time that that anything yeah. was really happening. Last, yeah. um, So I did that. It was a consumer show, but also tons of distributors and, and stores walk it. So good things right. came out of it. In January of 2020, I actually walked the fancy food show in San Francisco, sort of yep. scoping it out, thinking that, you know, that's what was coming. I walked some shows in Toronto also, and then the world, you know, changed. <laughs> so yes. it's definitely, definitely on the horizon. We also, on our end, I mean, we didn't talk about this, but I think it's obvious I stopped baking at home after about yeah. <laughs> a year and I've been working with a local caterer for the last sort of two years. And we are just about to start working with a co-packer, which okay, is going amazing. to even further, you know, lower our costs, increase our margins, allow us to have the room to work with distributors and brokers and yes. build in that, that margin um, that we yeah. need that I didn't have with the, you know, at the, when I was stopping to bake, it was because every hour that I was baking, I wasn't doing anything else for the business. And in fact, it was only in December, November of 2020 that I, I hired our first employee. So it, up until that point, it was just me doing everything all the time. So right. at that point, when I went to the caterer, it was really a, um, a trade-off and it was almost costing the same as it was costing my time, but that's not way, the way to scale either, which right. now I know. Well, I mean, that so I already assumed that you were with a co-packer. So that's great. Yeah. The thing that I love is supporting small businesses. And most of these small businesses start in their kitchens, their living rooms, their garages. And the ones who understand how to grow, the, the ones who understand that they have to let go and not be in it so much to then scale and grow the business, they're the ones that grow. And it's so exciting to watch them grow. You know, there was a brand, Tea Drops, and she started by making, you know, she patented this thing of like freeze drying tea so that you don't need the tea bag. So you just drop this drop into a cup of hot water or hot milk or, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. And she started hustling her teas at unique markets with just on, you know, a little table. And she had like her hot water dispenser, you know, trying to convince people walking by, like, try this tea, try this tea. And like, so she knows the hustle that you know, you know, all entrepreneurs, if you start like that, you know the hustle because you're like trying to get people to try your product who are just like, mm, keep walking. Like, you know, like one out of every 15 people says yes. And then you're like, oh, thank God. But the really, really solid brands that I have watched grow like her, like Sashi, who took tea drops and it is set to do $10 million this year. Wow. They understand at a certain point, like, they cannot do everything. So like you find a co-packer, you find someone who can distribute, you find someone who can facilitate these deals because you're not the right person. However, once you have those things in place, it is extremely important that you still stay getting out there, right? And so when they come back in the future, I do think that doing some of the, the food shows and the food expos will be really, really 
worth your time. Again, it's money. So you, you know, it's an investment to do these shows, but it's one of the ways that she grew. And if, if your goal is to grow both D to C and B to B, you have to do that. Right. Yeah. It was more that I, I knew that I couldn't do it if I wasn't set up with supplying the demand that I was sure was going to (laughs) come. Exactly. So I think you keep doing in-person events. That's part of it. Traveling. I mean, so, you know, your job becomes as the founder CEO of this company, your job in many ways becomes a being the face, you know, and kind of driving and getting press and getting your story out there. It becomes interacting with people in person and building a large fan base and community base because they will also help grow your business. And then it it's going to these shows where you can then get in front of the buyers and the people who are making those decisions. Now, in this day and age, you can also be emailing different stores and doing that virtually and sending them, you know, the trial bags to taste. And I think which we do that's one thing, you that, know, at least 25 a week, you know, and and having oh, amazing. excellent success with that, you know. It's all going well. It's just we're two people. Like how can I possibly replicate what we did here? all across Canada and then into the States without being able to scale properly, you know? Right. That's, so that's what we're working on. Right. And I think you've started to place those bricks of the foundation. Like, you know, you're doing what you have to do from a from a manufacturing standpoint. So, you know, and then what you're going to do is start at the beginning, it probably will still be you traveling a lot. You know, Sashi said, I recently interviewed her And she said that for the first couple of years before she also took outside investment to then really start to scale, for those first couple of years, she was traveling almost, you know, every other weekend. So, you know, it was like every other weekend she was on a plane to go to another show. Every other weekend she was going to a different region because, again, she saw the value of in-person. She saw the value of creating uh, brand recognition in places all over and it was exhausting. She was like, yeah, I was absolutely exhausted. But at the same time, this is the hard work that people have to do. Like a lot of people think like having a small business is just like, oh, I'll be successful because I'll create an, an online store. It's like, uh, But you know what I always say? Like there is nobody that's going to be better than me or than her or than whoever the business is at, at speaking about your business. I will say this. You are the best person to represent your brand, but you are also not the only one that can. So as you grow, like it's crucial for you to do it now because you're still in the beginning phases. But as you do start to grow, it would be very, very much worth your money to find a representative who is passionate about what you do and in sales, you know, or or just great at public facing. And they could be doing farmers markets in Toronto. They could be doing farmers markets in Vancouver. And I do know a couple of businesses that have thrived off that business model. So they have never really cared about retailers or wholesaling their product. They've always remained D to C and they have just figured out this network of people who sell their products all over, which is also, you know, another strategy and another way that you can grow. But I'm excited to watch you grow because it a it's a great product. You already know you have a great product. You already know you have great branding. So I think a little some tweaks are going to help you grow even more. And then as the world opens up, 
I just think naturally you are going to start to, to grow more and more. And like, you, you know, I'm looking at your Instagram. It's great. The photography, I love all the photography, you know, of the product. I think what you could start to do is you also have placed yourself in, which is really, really great. A lot of people don't do that. So like every, you know, every few photos, there's you and there's founder story, which is really, really important and smart. And I hate that. I know. I know that I have to do it, but I hate that. We know this is the number one thing. Everyone's always like, why do I have to be the face? But I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe I'm wrong, but on first glance, I don't see any sort of maybe influencer strategy. And so I think that that's one thing that you can do to grow your business also is start to Im- start to implement a an influencer strategy where or community. I guess what I should be saying is more community-minded strategy where you are getting your product into the hands of people who may have... And I want to preface this because I hate when people are like influencers, they need to have like a hundred thousand followers or five, a million. And it's just like, no, micro influencers are so much better. Like find people who love good food, who love the environment, quality, vegan, like find these very, very specific people, reach out to them, you know, and it's like, they don't need to post necessarily, but them sending you content to post on your feed you know, and then stories. They can do stories with a swipe up. We do a ton of that. We get reached out to um, all the time by these micro influencers. Yes. But keep doing also, I think, hard posts, but potentially with people, because like all of the photos I'm just going to throw out there are products, right? It's, it's, there's no human connection really, except for you. So my feedback there is I want to see more behind the scenes. So there, there is you, like I do see you occasionally, which is great, but I want to see more behind the scenes. Like if you're doing these photo shoots where you're shooting this granola, like why are you not also taking the time to do professional sh- shots of you, whether it's eating or whether it's a close up of your hands mixing? I guess what I'm saying is there need to be more human elements in the photography because that humanizes something. And then using and working with influencers, or I shouldn't even use that term, photographers, video content makers is great, but again, humanizing it. So like photos of them, because when, as someone who consumes media and could potentially be a customer of yours or a a follower, and you can convert followers to customers, as someone who's checking out your feed, it's all about you. But if you can start to flip that so it's also about your community, then people are like, it's somehow that helps them understand like, oh, I want to be part of this community. Oh, maybe I can reach out to them. But also they just, you naturally you see people. And again, you know, Canada is very diverse and very good at, at being diverse. So making sure to show all different types of people, ages, you know, I think that will be really important and that will grow because when people see themselves in your photography, then that helps them become a customer. So just throwing that out there, like the more people that you can see with the product, the better. (laughs) Great. That's great advice. Great advice. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. And I will end it at that. I'm so, I feel like we talked about so much. So 
Thank you for being here and opening yourself up and telling us about your business. I'm excited to watch it grow. And for everyone who's listening, yes, like check out the Instagram, check out the website. It's Granolust, like G-R-A-N-O-L-U-S-T. And it's delicious. So go check her out. And with that, I am going to call it a day. (laughs) Thank you. So nice to chat. Today's top takeaways include number one, when designing product packaging, it has to stand out. Remember that. Picture your product on the shelf, whether it's in a grocery store, on a table, in a retail shop, that product and packaging has to stand out from all of the rest. If this means that you have to hire a professional designer, well then hire a designer. You can't be all things. You can't be the inventor, the CEO, the web graphic designer, the product tester, and also the designer. Your product packaging is the first impression, and so put time and money into it. Number two, you cannot grow when you are the only one working. You have to find and cultivate your team. Whether you need to hire a co-packer, find another company to start producing at large volume, or whether you need a team to help you with social media or website design or Facebook advertising, you have to remember that when the time is right, you have to spend money and put time into finding great people and cultivating them. You cannot do it alone. It takes a village. The website and social media photography that you take need to showcase more than just your product. You have to be part of the story. Your employees, your studio, a look at behind the scenes, a look at entrepreneur life, These photos help tell a story and help create human connection, and that's really important. People purchase because of the why and the who, not necessarily the what. So when you plan photo shoots to capture your product photography, make sure to get lifestyle photography also of the product. Make sure to get photography of you. Maybe even turn the camera around and show the full scene from a different perspective, showing that you are doing new website photography. Again, it's telling a story about your journey as an entrepreneur and as a brand, not just, here's my product, buy. Here's my product, buy. And takeaway number three, remember, There are micro-influencers out there. You don't need to always go after people with millions of following. In fact, those people are most likely not gonna be interested in working with you unless you have tens of thousands of dollars. So, as a small business, as an emerging brand, I highly recommend finding bloggers and micro-influencers on various social media platforms that speak to you and what you do. So if you are a food entrepreneur, just like Julie, you wanna find people on social media who specialize in talking about food, who are passionate about food, potentially have similar interests like you, like they too 
are a female entrepreneur or they too live in Montreal. These are all connection points. Find micro-influencers and work with those people to help you push and sell and let other people discover your product. Again, these are people who are going to be more passionate and more organic about talking about your product. And I think there's huge value in working with micro-influencers as opposed to influencers in general. If SOS has helped your business, I would love to hear from you. The best thing that you can do to help spread the word about this podcast is give us a five Once again, that's five star rating. And remember to leave a review. Honestly, that's probably the best way that more people will discover this great podcast. Also, remember to tell your friends. Follow me on Instagram at Sonia Rasula. That's S-O-N-J-A-R-A-S-U-L-A. And you can follow my business at Unique Markets. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure to follow. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening.